I've been thinking I could afford one If I did just a little less drinking Time to put something between me and the sun Good morning, good morning, good morning. That is Fred Eaglesmith. Time to get a gun kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you today as always. I think I think Fred is right. I mean, all of America seems to agree with Fred right now. Uh, 8.3 million guns sold since the beginning of March and the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, it's going to be the biggest Year for gun sales in American history, much to the chagrin of Piers Morgan, who recently tweeted that if the news couldn't get any more depressing, Americans have bought over 8 million guns in 2020, just since March. I, for one, think that that is encouraging news, and Piers, you can take your Tory ass back to Britain for all I care, as can anyone who doesn't support the Second Amendment and our Constitution for that matter. So move it right along, you little Nancy boy. Nobody cares about your feelings any more than uh, the same folks who wrote that Constitution cared about England's feelings in 1776. (laughs) Anyway, I could go on about the Second Amendment for days, but that's not what we're here to do because we've got a great show lined up for you today. So you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top, an old friend of the show will make his return in the form of Meat Eater's, uh, what is he, is the uh, Director of Conservation these days, uh, Ryan Callahan, or as many folks affectionately know him as Cal. Uh, But the Land and Water Conservation Fund was just reauthorized uh, through the passing of the Great American Outdoors Act. What does that mean exactly for outdoor access and those wild places that you and I both love and hold so dearly? Well, it's monumental. And Ryan is certainly more well-versed on the LWCF than I am and its significance both historically and going forward. So certainly looking forward to getting into that with Cal. Then... Something that kind of deviates from our our normal programming, but the more I thought about it, the more relevant. I mean, it's so obvious because I would venture to say 90% of the folks listening uh, drive a four-wheel drive vehicle or have one or have access to one or have an ATV um, because as hunters and and anglers, if you're hauling a boat, we depend on four-wheel drive to get us where we need to go in the great outdoors. And so... The places we go are as varied as the types of four-wheel drives out there, but our good friend Jeff Swope, owner of Dallas Off-Road, will be in the studio, and we're going to talk all things four-wheel drive, Um, and especially stuff like aftermarket things, lift kits, um, suspension, Dodge and Ford versus Chevy and GMC. Uh, There's no right or wrong answer there, by the way, no matter which brand you're loyal to. But uh, wheels and tires, do they really improve performance or is it just an aesthetics thing? So all things trucks and four-wheel drive coming at you here at the uh, bottom of the hour. And uh, Jeff is also a passionate hunter and especially a shooter, big fan of the Second Amendment. And uh, him and his wife, that's where they spend, uh, that's where they go on their dates. They go to the gun range. 
So he's got some uh, cool calibers to talk about and a funny bow hunting story concerning his first ever big game kill. Uh, so looking forward to having Jeff here in studio coming up in just a little bit. That's what's on the docket for today. Uh, we are going to do a quick giveaway. And how about today, let's go back to the Lone Star Ag Credit swag. And I've got a, uh, a shotgun sleeve, camo Lone Star Ag Credit cap, and a portable water bowl for your retriever or bird dog. So just uh, email the word, let's just say 4x4. Just email 4x4 to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered. Uh, let's take a quick break. Up next, Ryan Callahan of Meat Eater, formerly of First Light, joins us to talk about the Land and Water Conservation Fund being reauthorized through the Great American Outdoors Act on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Sanders bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, and I'll be honest, uh, I have no idea who Philip is or if, if he ha even has any other songs. Uh, the guy emailed me his new single. I took a listen to it and uh, thought it was pretty solid. So thanks for that, Philip. I look forward to seeing uh, what else you have in the works. So anyway, uh, Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players, our longtime presenting sponsors. Uh, we're about to get into the big news surrounding the LWCF, the Land and Water Conservation Fund, with Ryan Callahan. But first, this segment proudly brought to you by First Light's Ranger Stretch Snap Shirt. This bad boy is new for 2020. Long sleeve, but yet breathable, uh, so it protects you from the sun, but also keeps you cool. Uh, I love to wear it fishing. I just wore it uh, actually down in Baffin Bay, unsuccessfully chasing around those monster Baffin Bay trout last weekend. But the shirt, it lived up to the expectations. It's the Ranger Stretch Snap Shirt from First Light. First Light, go further, stay longer. Now, uh, without further ado, let's bring on our first guest, longtime friend of the show, Going back to his days at First Light, he has since uh, moved on to become the conservation director over at Meat Eater. It's my pleasure to welcome Ryan Callahan back to the show. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Glad we can make it happen. What have you been up to during the great toilet paper run of 2020? Uh, you know, it was pretty darn funny. I wasn't buying toilet paper. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing I did was uh, got some, some home projects taken care of. You know, fortunate enough to... Uh, you know, the biggest thing was just like working from home instead of going into the office. And uh, that allowed my ADD brain to tackle about 10 jobs at once instead of just the one. So, yeah, I got, got through the freezers and got everything organized and uh, did a bunch of uh, ground meat for a bunch of coworkers with kids mm. and made a bunch of jerky and canned a bunch of meat and uh got uh got things down to a manageable supply i i hear that because we have uh about three freezers full of wild game and since the pandemic we're down to about one and a half so we've been going through it pretty quick at the smith house that's awesome yeah, yeah and I, i'm not sure what you guys have seen but boy it's just been really stepping up the cooking game uh just, oh yeah yeah having a good time cooking and and uh enjoying not i mean we we can go to bars and restaurants and get food elsewhere uh now but just not not as fired up to do that anymore and it's been really really good well and i think you know life totally changed for people that have kids that you know we had soccer or uh gymnastics or some some crap seems like every day and so you know, fast food was kind of like, well, we're we're on the way home at eight o'clock at night. Kids need to be in bed by nine. So, how does Chick Fil A sound? And uh, yeah, we didn't do that for three months. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. I certainly uh, there was a positive reflection in the bank account, and mm-hmm. you know, it's certainly a healthier way of living. No doubt. One thing I do have in the freezer right now that I haven't uh, I haven't messed with yet is a tongue from the moose I shot in Newfoundland uh, in October. And I figured you might, uh, you might have a good recipe for that. Oh yeah. So, you know, you can put it in a, in a, like a corned beef style brine uh-huh. and just, it'll turn out just like corned beef. Okay. Moose tongue is, is awesome. It's got a lot of uh, fat in it. It's got a really good flavor. Um, or you could smoke that thing after you put it in a brine and it'll turn out just like pastrami. Um, it'll be very, very similar to beef. Um, and you could probably, even in the great state of Texas, the beef-eating state of Texas, you could serve that to a lot of people, and they're going to think it's beef. Um, but a very simple way of doing it is just drop that thing in the pressure cooker, let it rip for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, Um throw it in the freezer and then pull it back out and let it thaw. And then you can peel that outer skin off the tongue Mm -hmm. and just slice it really thin. If you have some good like pickled veggies and cheese and mustard and stuff, it's it's a great little appetizer meat. Okay. So yeah. So getting that membrane off, you basically pressure cook it, flash freeze it and then you can it comes off easier super easy yeah okay just just like you would a uh a, a chili pepper uh-huh okay um 
but to call it a membrane does it a disservice. It is a hide. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's tough stuff. So. Uh huh. Okay. Well, that gives me something to work with there. I'll uh, I'll be sure to send you pics of how it comes out. What I what I really wanted to talk about though today is you know seeing how you are meat eaters director of conservation. Is that your official title? What is it? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I figured, you know, you'd be the best person to visit with concerning the Great American Outdoors Act, which is a monumental conservation game changer for the Land and Water Conservation Fund. But taking it back a step, um, talk a little bit about the history of the LWCF and, and why it is so important. Well, there is a huge history with LWCF. Um and it uh, started as just a very simple excise tax, just like Pittman, Robertson, Dingle, Johnson. But this would be on offshore oil and gas revenues. Uh-huh. And then um, that money was intended to um, provide uh, basically easements, provide the cash to obtain easements to uh, public ground, small purchases of uh, ground to, you know, provide access to rivers, streams, lakes, etc. And then um, it was later on amended to where those funds could also be used for, um, you know, basically like outdoor related uh, public works. Okay. So bike paths baseball diamonds, boat ramps, uh, some shooting facilities, basketball courts, parks, all sorts of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was further amended to where those funds have to be evenly available to all parts of all states. So Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter if you're uh, you know, a Western state like Wyoming that has a ridiculous amount of public land, or your uh, a state like Texas, uh, where, uh, you know, Ted Cruz says two percent of the state's public, and that's too much. Right. Uh, those funds are still available uh, for Texas as well. So, um, the yeah, I got to work on Ted concerning the. Uh... I know he voted against it, and and I, you know, I like Ted, but I don't know what it is about some of the Republicans as far as their disdain for for public land, and 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 I've actually had Ted on on the show and and brought that to his attention, and we just had to agree to disagree on that. So I don't know. Yeah, um, it is really interesting, right? Because you can't ignore the fact that we got COVID going on. There's this giant COVID stimulus package out there. Um, Ted voted for that. Yeah. So he can't say that he doesn't like LWCF because of the uh, fact that it uh, is seen as uh, dollars for the public good, um, which uh, I've talked to a lot of folks about, and uh, nobody really has an answer as to why they can't can't support LWCF. So um, it is you're not paying more taxes to support LWCF. Yeah. It's coming from uh, offshore drilling from offshore oil and gas revenues. And it's earmarked specifically for access. Um, and the interesting thing is it 
the revenues would go into a general fund and then uh, every single year there is a big fight to see how much of the revenue that's supposed to go to access would actually get dropped in that LWCF bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the Great American Outdoors Act is doing is saying uh, full and permanent funding for LWCF, which is something that we truly have never had. Um, yeah, I was reading. I was reading that, like in recent, even decades, the LWCF hadn't received all of the money it was authorized. Some years, like less than fifty percent, and that's kind of confusing as to why you would say here you can have this much, but then only give give half of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, and, it, and the thing is too, it's not just free money. You have to, like, if you're going to apply for LWCF funds, you have to have skin in the game. And it is money out of that state agency pocket or that, um, you know, that, that group that's trying to get something done. They have to front uh, a quarter or half of the project budget mm-hmm. in order to get those LWCF funds. So it's not just free money. You have to have skin in the game. You have to be uh, invested in that project. Why was it allowed to expire in 2018? Well, just just the common problem, right, that we kind of already touched on. It's like, oh, there's people who don't want... Uh, these public lands supported they see them as a debt on uh you know the, on on the book and when we're talking about trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of, of debt here in the u.s i think that's a pretty weak argument mm-hmm. um, especially right now when we're looking at because the other part of the great american outdoors act right is $10 billion, almost $10 billion for uh, deferred maintenance costs, which is jobs, right? That's just not Uncle Sam writing a check to themselves for $10 billion. The work gets done by uh, civilian contractors. So um, there's a big jobs benefit to uh, the Great American Outdoors Act. And you know, obviously those LWCF funds um, aren't just going to volunteer groups, right? There's people getting paid to get that stuff done. There, there's some economic stimulus here, but when you kind of extrapolate out and you look at the value of America's public lands right now, when people are like, boy, movie theaters, restaurants, uh, ballparks, football games are kind of scary things right now or may just not be the best for everybody in our family. Um, you're looking at RV sales are up, off-road vehicle sales are up, fishing sales are up, hunting sales are up, uh, and people are going to recreate outdoors. Um, participation in Controlled hunt drawings are up almost all all across the board. 
people are looking to be outside somehow, some way. And that just means the investment is going to something that Americans are showing that they value. Absolutely. And like I said, in our family, no soccer, no gymnastics, no, uh, actually finally just started baseball back up. So that's been a, a breath of fresh air. Uh, but you know, life has changed to this new normal. Uh, so we've gone to the deer lease like four or five times, uh, went to the coast to go taking the whole family three times to go fishing and just hang out at the beach. Uh, so certainly trying to get outdoors as much as possible. Uh, we do need to take a quick break though, Cal want to come back, discuss the bipartisan nature of the great American outdoors act, because that needs to be applauded, uh, from both sides and then president Trump's role in this as well. So, uh, are you cool to stick around? Yes, sir. Perfect. And that segment was brought to you by the Helion 2.0 thermal monocular from our friends over at Pulsar. Uh, here's a cool thing. If you want to check out the Helion, get yourself one and save 20% off the Helion, off the Axion, off the uh, Accolade, Bino, any monocular or Bino when you use my promo code Lone Star underscore PL at uh, PulsarNV.com. So go to their website. Use that promo code Lone Star underscore PL. Get yourself 20% off any monocular or thermal bino. Well, we'll be right back with more from Meat Eaters Ryan Callahan on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Hey, y'all, it's Jeff Foxworthy, and thanks for listening to my buddy Cable Smith on the Lone Star Outdoors. Thanks. thanks a lot. I got a broken heart, and that's all I've got. You made me cry, and I cried a lot. I lost your love, honey, thanks a lot. There's the great Ernest Tubb bringing us back. Thanks a lot. Classic there for you. Cable Smith here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well. Uh, we are still visiting with Meat Eaters Ryan Callahan concerning the Great American Outdoors Act and how it is funding in perpetuity uh, the... Land and Water Conservation Fund. And before we pick it back up with Cal, I do need to tell you about Stealth Cam's WXA wireless camera. This thing is awesome. It pings me literally every time something goes across the game trail that I have it set on or a feeder. Um, 
what, wherever you set the camera, sends me a live update of what's there, what they're doing. So I can keep tabs on them. Hopefully pattern that hit list buck for this season. They've got uh, an AT&T and Verizon model available for you, depending on which one gives you better cell coverage in your area. The monthly data plans are, like, I think, as cheap as $5. So uh, they've become significantly more affordable. It's the WXA from StealthCam. You can find it at StealthCam.com. All right. Uh, well, let's get back into it here with Ryan Callahan. Hey, Cal, when it comes to the LWCF, the Land and Water Conservation Fund, what would it look like for public lands and public access if we didn't have the Great American Outdoors Act of 2020? Well, you know, one of the arguments against LWCF is, well, it looks like a program that we're betting on only the future of oil and gas to support these projects. The reality is, is nobody's coming up with a, a better funding system. Mm-hmm. Um, these detractors never say, well, what about this program that we came up with? They just, it's not out there. This is an incredible opportunity um, for a proven program. Again, every single state has used LWCF for tremendous public benefit. So what it would look like without it is, you know, I would say a general slowing down, a general roadblock to things that, you know, we are proving again right now that Americans hold deer, which is the ability to get outside all the way through this uh, COVID stuff, like in the real serious lockdowns, um, you know, God forbid we have to do that again. One of the things that was provided for in almost every circumstance was outdoor exercise and activity. Yeah. So what it would look like on a personal level is just a big slap in the face. We have insane bipartisan support right now. Um, this thing greased through the Senate pretty darn well. Took a lot of work to get there for sure. I don't want to diminish that, but it was uh, pretty darn unanimous as things go. Um, right now, the way it looks in the House, uh, it looks extremely bipartisan. This is something that we're proving people can agree on. Um, they're willing to put a lot of the other crap aside to say, you know, clean air, clean water, being outside the good thing. Yeah, and I think that needs so, to be applauded is the bipartisan oh, nature because, it, you know, we're in the midst of a political climate where sides seem to be further apart than ever. So to see something like this fly through the Senate and I expect, you know, to be relatively the same course in that in the House – um, that's encouraging to put away those differences and, and do something positive. And it, and it's actually doing something. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of legislation out there right now that isn't going to go anywhere because it is so contentious. And, you know, we're all paying these folks to uh, represent our interests. So it'd be nice to see them actually get something done. Uh, oh, this yeah, is no one kidding. thing that they can get done. Yeah. Does the uh, does the LWCF fund things like uh I don't know, park access or 
you mentioned, you know, creating um, bike trails, stuff like that, but does it have anything to do with just the actual operating, day-to-day operating cost of, of keeping, let's say, a uh, camping ground up and running in the national park? Uh, not that I'm aware of, okay. Cable. The, I, in fact, no, it is, there's a lot, a lot of campgrounds that have been built using LWCF funds. Uh-huh. But the the running costs, uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay, okay. So going back to the new project part, right right on, right on. Yeah. And all states have yeah. taken advantage of it, so. Um, yeah, want... and again, it, it it doesn't, I've gotten a lot of emails in where people are like, well, gosh, I live in Iowa and we don't have public land, so. But that, that doesn't really matter. Like, there's. There's uh, a lot of ways to utilize this stuff. There's some um, uh, there's some private property ways to use this these funds too. Like I mean, they're they're out there and available. If you have a project, you know, it's, it's definitely something to look at. Hmm. Well, but you know, if you're like me, hopefully the guy in Iowa is going out of state to hunt, right? So you're still taking event or fish or hike or camp or whatever. You're still taking advantage of that. I mean, hell, I'm, I spend a good part of each fall somewhere out west, New Mexico, last year, Montana. Uh, I mean, you name it. So. Oh, yeah. And I was uh, I was hunting uh, right outside of Glen Rock, Wyoming, which is, you know, Casper's not too far away. But, um, yep, uh, a, lot of, a lot of prairie. And uh, the little town of Glen Rock's got a um, bike path around it that I'm Sure looks like LWCF funding to me. Mm. Um, and that is just somebody in that community, you know, applying for the funds and making it happen. So, you know, no no matter how big or how small, you got a shot. Well, I think it was uh, you know, just reading here, it's something like $900 million a year over the next, what, five years or something like that that's been authorized. Uh, yes, it is. I can tell you the rate. Um, and, and I think they're also supposed to get the full amount that they're authorizing now, unlike in, in previous decades, they're supposed to dish out the, the, the full kitty. Yes. Um, and that, that builds up at a certain rate. Um, uh-huh. but this is, I mean, it's, it's very easy easy to uh hop on and, and take a look at uh where these funds have gone yeah. in the past um and listen i mean president trump said put this bill on my desk and i will sign it mm-hmm. so call your congressional representative and tell him to get this bill on his desk yeah i did see he had one positive i, I don't know that he's commented a lot on it but uh, i did see there was one tweet out there where that's probably the one that you're alluding to. Uh, so it seems like he's certainly ready to sign it as soon as that, uh, as soon as they put it in front of his, in front of on his desk, so to speak. So. Uh, yep. Still, still needs a signature. So, yeah. um, I mean, ideally, so there, there's a chance that um, we could see this happen uh, this week. 
if it were to happen this week, I feel like uh, I'd know about it. Um, right. But um, so it, it could happen in September. So it, this is something that people have. Are this is like your burnout topic, right? It has been discussed and fought over for so long um and this is finally the chance to make it happen so if you want to do something for conservation this is this is a great way to jump in and it's an easy easy phone call uh to, to your congressman or woman so yeah and as we as we're wrapping things up here my understanding is that this would be like a permanent reauthorization uh this this is for full funding that the permanent reauthorization went through last year, uh-huh. but it lacked the funding component. Okay. Or two years, last year, two years, must've been two years ago. Well, they said, uh, well, just reading that it lapsed in 2018 and they brought it back in 2019. Okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of one of the things where it was like, I was actually sitting there in, in Congressman uh, Gianforte, uh, his office, uh, Montana Congressman. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that came through and uh, he was like kind of looking for a pat on the back, you know, <laughs> and I was like, hey, great job, love it, but you, you gave us a the keys to a car with no gas in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. so, um, so, yeah, I mean, this this is a really big deal. And, and the reality is, is like you just don't, it, it's hard to be around in the conservation game and see big wins like this. They don't come around very often. This is a huge opportunity. Um, and it's one of those programs that really, is so even Steven beneficial, it, it, it would just be crushing to not see it happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So like I said, we'll work on, uh, our, uh, our senators here in Texas and I don't know that there's any change in them, but, uh, and, and you knew like which States you would expect it. Also Mike Lee in Utah. Um, you, you kind of had a, a feeling of who was going to be voting for and against it. And I don't know, as a, as a Republican myself, um, I feel like my party has a, a lot to work on as far as the public lands go. But we'll uh, we'll keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to cook somebody a meal or take them on a hike, you know. So yeah, um, if you can get that opportunity, take it. it yeah. It's really, really hard. You know, Republican uh, Congressman uh, Simpson there in Idaho. He went on one horseback trip with his brother, mm-hmm. and that guy, you know, fights tooth and nail for this stuff, and he's doing a great job. Yeah, because uh, he's been out there firsthand and and kind of had the holy crap moment. But you know, this stuff really is valuable, and it uh, gets diluted by the time you make it over to Washington D.C. Um, but that, that value is here. These public lands are, are really worth something. And, uh, we got to make sure that, 
at a minimum, folks have the opportunity to take a look at them when they want to. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, at the same time, I got to applaud the, uh, the Democratic Party for. I mean, I don't know that they spearheaded it, but they damn sure uh, voted for it with uh, a lot more fervor than you know some of the the Republicans. So I got to pat them on the back and say, good job. Give credit where credit is due. Oh yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, but you know, Dane's here in Montana, and who you know, truthfully has uh, not a great record. Um, but he he stepped up and 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 fought for Great American Outdoors Act. Uh, Cor- Corey Gardner, uh, another Republican there in uh, Colorado. You know, he he wants this to be part of his legacy, and he's working his butt off on it. So. Um, it it's great to see. Uh, I, I mean, I just firmly believe if, if you're going against this one, you're, you're going to be put on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I applaud, uh, I applaud the bipartisan nature. And like I said, it's encouraging to, 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 to look around you in the world we're living in today, Cal, and say, Hey, you know what? Here's some, here's some positive news for a change. So it will benefit uh, you and I and, one day, uh, my kiddos as well, which is uh, equally as exciting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is legacy work for everybody who hears this and picks up the phone and calls their congressman or woman. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, we're almost done, but uh, what um, what have you what, what have you had to have hunting-wise or fishing? What has gotten scrapped because of this? And I've already lost a Cape Buffalo hunt in Africa and What's concerning now is I'm reading this stuff on the Canadian border, and I have a bear hunt in um, British Columbia in October that looks like it's now in jeopardy. Yeah, I I really have been telling folks that you just have to see this as an opportunity to reconnect with, you know, something in your state, something in your county Mm -hmm. um, that maybe, you you know, you, you set your sights on Cape Buffalo. Um, you, you probably skipping over, uh, the cottontails, um, in order to think about Cape Buffalo, right? So there's a lot of fun to be had. There's a lot of good food to be had. There's a lot of opportunity close and, and we're going to figure this stuff out. There, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, it's, we're, we're in the middle of the learning curve and we're, and we're seeing it. So I, the, my biggest thing is, you know, I want to get back in the Frank church here in November and, uh, I, I really want to make that happen. And so as long as Idaho doesn't close its borders, I'll be okay there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you is know, that for, for elk yeah, or muley? For mule deer. Okay. Yeah. And I, I have a, a bunch of plans. Um, but I am fortunate, fortunate enough to be happy, uh, with a little bit of time and a tag in my pocket, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, uh, you and me both, and maybe those cottontails are calling my name. We shall see. But, uh, yeah, we'll all just roll with the punches together. And like, you know, like your uh, optimism there and positive spin on the whole thing. So what else can you do? But, um, 
Hey, if you want to plug your podcast, uh, tell folks. Oh yeah, but if you want, uh, you know, lots of updates on stuff like Great American Outdoors Act, um, or the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which just passed the House today, um, as well as a bunch of fun and interesting facts about wildlife and habitat and conservation in general. Check out uh, Cal's Week in Review. Wherever you can download podcasts. Hey, Cal, great to uh, reconnect, man. And I hope that this fall is uh, the best one yet, no matter if we're hunting jackrabbits and grouse or chasing big mule deer. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. No, I I appreciate you putting this together, and and, uh, thanks for the time. You bet. There he goes. Ryan Callahan, a.k.a. Cal, uh, someone who is extremely well-versed in the conservation game. Uh, Always great catching up with him. That segment of the program brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for a long, long time. Uh, They've become certainly good friends of my family as well. They're good people, but more importantly, as a taxidermist, you want someone that's going to answer the phone when you call, not dodge your phone calls, give you the runaround. They do amazing work with quick turnaround time. And you can find them at gr, the number eight, mounts.com. Coming up next, we'll shift gears and talk four by fours and guns with our buddy Jeff Swope of Dallas Off Road on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Pop a top again. I think I'll have another round. Hey guys, Cable here for Hunter's Box Club. This month, July, I've partnered up with them and they are offering a limited edition. You can only get it through Hunter's Box Club, but a limited edition Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirt. It's actually a cartoon that humorist Tim Spike Davis drew for me years back. But you can't get this shirt anywhere else. Plus, it comes with a European mount wall hanger and one to three items every month. Hunting-related items only in Hunter's Box Club. But you can't get this shirt anywhere unless you order. And here's the cool thing. $4.99. That's all you're going to pay for the first month. That's just the shipping. You're going to get the limited edition t-shirt and uh, whatever other hunting-related goodies are in the box this month for free. You can cancel at any time. No strings attached. So get your limited edition Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirt. It's me in the studio sitting across from a huge buck. And uh, it says, I say, so where do you see yourself this fall? And his reply, hopefully not on your wall. Uh, it's a great cartoon. And you can't get it anywhere else. Check it out. Hunter's Box Club. four ninety nine. Cancel at any time when you use my promo code, which is just Lone Star. That's Lone Star when you check out at huntersboxclub.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind, well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com.
Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road, and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer lease or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give them a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs. I remember it well, I was riding high when I drove you to the lake that starry night. Took a little detour through an open field. Our first taste of how freedom feels in an 87 Good stuff right there. 87 Chevy 4x4. Our buddy Zane Williams bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you. And we're actually about to talk all things 4x4s, which I do believe most of us depend on to get us in and out of the great outdoors on a pretty regular basis. But before we do that, this segment of the presentation Brought to you by the Lone Star Beer, Rio Hade, Mexican-style lager. Enjoy it with or without a lime on the beach or on your back porch. It's the Rio Hade, Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Let's bring on our next guest. He joins me now in studio. It's my pleasure to welcome our friend Jeff Swope of Dallas Off-Road. Thanks for dropping by, man. Thank you. It is a pleasure to have you. You're the first in-studio guest we've had in four months, so... <laughs> it's Just, been a long four months this is a new normal yeah and i, I can't believe that we actually did this truck project like late february early march yeah and had plans to get you in here and then the world fell apart fell apart <laughs> so glad that you're finally here and um yeah absolutely love what you guys did with my uh new to me 2018 silverado which we're going to talk about in detail but before we do that, how has business been at Dallas Off-Road during this whole mess? Uh, at Dallas Off-Road, we have been insanely busy. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's just been sitting at home kind of looking at different social things and seeing what they can do to their truck or their Jeep, and and they've created all these lists, and that's all great <laughs> until now. And uh Parts are starting to be an issue, but yeah. other than that, like I think everything's been pretty pretty solid. Brush guard and the steps that we were going to get from Tough Country still haven't come in. And I was that talking to AJ correct. over there, and he's like, yeah, man, I just, <laughs> who knows? He's he's like, I've been working from home, and I, I don't really know what's going on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been insane, no doubt about that. Um, but I will tell you, you know, this is not like our normal programming. So I was a little, had a little bit of trepidation when we were talking about this whole thing. And I was like, thought about it. I was like, absolutely, this fits everyone who listens to this show because everyone that hunts or hauls a bass boat or whatever generally has a four-wheel drive vehicle. Some of them have two or three. Those who don't are probably college kids that want a four-wheel drive vehicle. I was that kid. We used to go around duck hunting out of a four-door Saturn sedan with three or four dudes Four dozen decoys and a hundred pound lab in the back seat, with sitting in somebody's lap if there was four of us. So, uh, I certainly was like, oh, I just kill for a truck. But he's like, how many tables do I have to wait before I can afford one? You know, those are those are <laughs> memories that you will never forget. The, some of the best memories. Um, hell, though, you know, a lot of people in the South have a four wheel 
drive vehicle that hauls their four wheel drive vehicle, like if you know you've got a, a deer lease or something, you've got a UTV. Um, so we all depend on that. Absolutely. And I couldn't get to half the places that I need to go, whether that's around my deer lease because my truck, you know, I don't have a UTV. Uh, I've got an e bike, but I can't really load that thing up with uh, 500 pounds of corn, you know. So where I need to get, whether it's on the deer lease or it's up some um, dangerous road in New Mexico going elk hunting, I've got to have four-wheel drive. I think uh, our audience all kind of attest to having that same need. How long have you been in the 4 by 4 industry? I would say that it's it's been a lifelong thing. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't do it professionally till about five years ago, but ahead of that, I was three years old on a four-wheeler. I grew up... Riding ATVs all through East Texas, South Texas, Missouri, all over, mm-hmm. you know, almost every other vehicle or a, most of them have all been four wheel drive trucks. Yeah. Yeah. And so in your life today, what is the, I mean, I know you've, you've got this Jeep that you brought over today, but you also have a Super Duty. I've got a 2018 Super Duty on 37s. Uh, I have two Jeeps on 40s. And one Jeep pretty much stays in town or loads up on a trailer. And if it goes out of town, the other one's a daily driver. Uh-huh. I mean, they can, they can, any V, any four wheel drive can be exactly what you want it. Yeah. So what percentage of your clientele would you say actually hunt um, and own guns? I'd be interested to know, like, um, I would say 90% of our <laughs> of our our customers at least own guns and I would say at least 70 plus hunt. Uh-huh. And now did you grow up in the outdoors? I mean, I know you said Oh yeah, most there. definitely. My dad and I we we hunted in East Texas, South Texas and my grandparents lived in Missouri, so uh-huh. you know, we were up there all the time too. So predominantly whitetail or hogs? uh whitetail hogs pretty much it. And do you remember the first the first time you actually, and I'm asking this because my son has been jonesing to let me let him shoot something. And I was like, okay, well, you, you got to put in the practice. So I got him a 22-250, and um, we've been working with that. And then this past weekend, I gave him a 17 HMR. And I think the recoil on the, you know, he's seven, so the 22-250 doesn't kick a lot. Yeah. But after about five or six rounds, I noticed he's like, eh. So we're going to, you know, really dial in the 17 HMR, but, uh, he wants to shoot, he wants to shoot something. And I told him, I let him shoot a hog or maybe a doe this coming season, but we're going on this exotic hunt this weekend. And the landowner, my friend Glenn said, I got a lot of black buck does. So Mm. I got my wheel spinning. I'm like, okay, Mm. maybe, uh, accelerate that plan a little. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But do you remember the, the first time you shot a deer or a hog? Yes. My first deer was actually with a bow. Oh, wow. uh, and she turned as soon as the arrow left. It was a uh, a very old bear bow that had been laying around in the camp house for who knows how long. And uh-huh. they gave it to my dad. He fixed it up. And it was a very slow bow. So she had enough time to spin and take a few steps. But the, uh, the arrow went straight up her butt. <laughs> <laughs> the Texas heart shot. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, how could you forget that? No, you can't forget that. No. But that is, as a parent, that is the, like, my fear is, and I've never pressured Henry to do this because dad does it for a living. I don't want him to feel like he has to do it. If he wants to go play baseball or soccer, and that's his thing, um, but he sees how much I, I enjoy it, and so he wants to do it. 
So he finally came to me and said, I want to do this. I said, okay, great. You know, I'm, I'm happy about that, but I don't want him to wound something that first time out. You know, that's like, that's the one, the thing that I'm, I think if you're there as a backup, <laughs> it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. I told him if he can, when we get to the ranch, if he can hit, if he can give me a softball sized group at a hundred yards with a 20 to two fifty, five shots, I would let him, let him do it. So we'll see. It's up there to him go. at this point. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So what a Texas heart shot, your first year. Did you continue wanting to hunt after that? Yeah. Yeah, I actually did. <laughs> How old uh, were you? Because not most people can say their first kill was with a bow. I was, I was in high school mm-hmm. okay. and yeah, I was probably a sophomore. Right on. That is cool. That is cool. So, and was that in Texas or Missouri? It was in Texas. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was in South Texas, right outside of uh, San Angelo. Okay, okay. Well, so bring it back to the uh, the four wheel side of things. Um, why do most people? I mean, we already talked about how we depend on these vehicles and the four wheel drive mechanism to get us where we have to go. But why do people put aftermarket lift kits or tires or any of that stuff on their vehicle? You know, I think a lot of people do it for either one of two reasons, and that's A, for functionality, mm-hmm. and then B, for looks. Okay. Um, you know, it's a good-looking lifted truck. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Uh, but a lot of times, that extra uh, ability to have larger tires does get you further places. Um, with trucks, it would greatly increase your ground clearance you know, and a lot of like ranch roads and stuff, they'll get muddy. You want to put mud tires on a little bit better traction, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But predominantly, I'd say it's a lot more looks than it is functionality. Yeah. Well, I can think of two instances where I've gotten stuck. Uh, I've gotten stuck a lot more than two times, but two specifically where I had a four wheel drive vehicle. And if I would have had more clearance or bigger tires, I would have not been in that predicament. And the first one was, so I just got my, at the time it was a 2010, it was a, a GMC Sierra four wheel drive. Love that truck. It was the one before this one and literally had just gotten it. We took it duck hunting and I still had on the tires that the previous, you know, where just stack and stock uh, tires on there. And we went duck hunting and I like got too close to the lake and just, sunk down a little bit but not enough to where i mean the tires were spinning and spinning and spinning no i had to get the the farmer to bring a tractor over and pull me out you know (laughs) shameful but uh but that happened and then another time on my dear lease in oklahoma the landowner had just graded a road that was like a steep incline out of this creek bank when you get to the top it it wasn't uh graded just was kind of like just a real high uh, came to a point. Yeah, yeah, cruster so, at a yeah, ledge. So I get up to the top of that and just, what is the word? High is centered. It, high centered. I was high centered. So I was like, ah, oh, crap. Landowner's not there. So I ended up having to um, jack the thing up and then put it in reverse and just roll back down the hill. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if I would have had more clearance, because it just barely got me high centered, you know, I'm just thinking those are two instances where I know I would have avoided that had I had. A little better performance now there are some cons though that i think people you know just to be transparent my gas mileage 
went down a couple. Sure. Probably to like seven from seventeen or eighteen to I'm about fifteen now. And then my wife, she complains about getting how, in. Well, that, but the she said it's not as smooth of a ride as it was. I was like, of course, because we took those dinky tires off of it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be you know it's 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 more it's more rugged now. Yeah, I think you, you, there's things that you can do about that. You uh-huh. can play around with air pressures. Um, take some air out. You take a little bit of air out. Yeah. Um, you don't want to go to unsafe pressure or anything like that. But there's some tests. If you look on YouTube, there's a chalk test. But uh, the bigger the tire, the less air it needs. Yeah. So, you know, it's definitely something to kind of look at. Uh huh. And as far as the performance on the tires, I don't know if there's like factual numbers to quantify. It can't all just be about aesthetics, Jeff. I mean, people aren't just <laughs> jacking these things up. Yeah, in high school, I wanted a. You know what I wanted? I wanted, and I think all kids that were in high school in the '90s wanted a jacked-up Ford Bronco, right, with huge tires on it. Right. That was because it looked cool. Now that I'm in my 30s, I don't really give a crap about that. Right. I need to get where I need to go. Got to get to the deer stand. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know that the aftermarket tires, either it's an all-terrain or a mud-terrain or maybe a hybrid like the Ridge Grappler, mm-hmm. um, they've got you know better spacing between the lugs. Uh, they're going to clean the tires out with mud a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to grip better. Uh, the tires that generally come on any of the trucks, um, they... They may say they're kind of an all-terrain, but they're not really an all-terrain. I mean, they put them on there to make them quiet. Uh, that way they can sell more trucks. Yeah. Well, the ones that we took off of this truck were not, I mean, I'd have gotten stuck in a heartbeat in those things. That's right. City slicker tires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, certainly enjoying the conversation, man. We do need to work in a quick break. Let's take care of that, come back, and get into my build, and also get into some of the obscure calibers that you like to shoot, like that uh, Beowulf 50 cal. Sound good? Absolutely. All right. And uh, actually, I forgot to mention the one about getting my wife's uh, CRV stuck in the mud after a Turnpike Troubadours concert. She was pregnant with Henry and didn't want to go. So, uh, yeah, I told her for years that I swerved to miss a coyote rather than just saying, yeah, I took your two-wheel drive SUV off-roading in uh, a downpour. <laughs> uh, yeah, she had uh, she had me wake up. Uh, the next day, she said she was going to church and told me to get my ass out of bed and go get her uh, CRV. So I brought it back. I left my truck there after I towed it out. And, uh, you know, she was like, it was so muddy inside and out because we had tried to push it out of the mud in the monsoon. All of us covered in mud. Um, then I had to take it to get it detailed before she would even get in it. So needless to say, she didn't go to church. And she wasn't my biggest fan for a couple weeks, no doubt. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land's the one thing they're not making anymore, but we all want it. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own slice of paradise for over 100 years. Whether that's for hunting, fishing, maybe you want to go four-wheeling, whatever the case, uh, running cattle, they've got you covered. You can find them at Lone Star Ag Credit. We continue the 4x4 discussion after the break on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Chevy's F-150s, flatbed Dodge, Ram, dirt road ditties, headlights, taillights, daddy's Eldorado, dashboards, ditches, or silver, Silverados, down by the lake, down by the river, British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 
to seven and a half year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or Black Bear, once in a lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, they've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Left a beer bottle Rattle on my pistol On the seat of my Chevy pickup truck Now I'm taking these gravel roads As fast as my truck go I'm running like a scared white tail bug Becky's Bible, a classic from our very own Chris Knight Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for being here. I do appreciate each and every one of you as we are talking 4x4s, lifts, tires, wheels, suspension, all that stuff that's pretty much Greek to me, but is so important for getting me. I probably should know more about it, right? Uh, but it's vital when it comes to getting me where I need to go in the great outdoors. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Uh, we'll pick it back up with... Dallas Off-Road's Jeff Swope momentarily, but first, this segment is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders, blinds, barbecue, I mean, they do it all, uh, but I've been using their blinds and feeders for about 10 years now. I absolutely love them. The kids just, man, they eat it up. They love helping me fill the stand and fills, whether that's a 300-pound or a 600-pound feeder. They can climb up there, see how much corn's in it, and dad loves it because I can just stand there and fill it up. No more ladders, no more backing up the pickup, having to stand on the tailgate just to fill the dang feeder. Check it out. It's the stand and fill. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Um, all right, Jeff, thanks for sticking around through the break. Let's talk about what you guys actually did with my uh, Chevy Silverado. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, and get into the tires that we went with and why a good all-terrain is so important. 33-inch Nitto Ridge Grapplers. Yes, which I, on that old truck, I had put um, uh, Nitto Grapplers, just the regular Grapplers. Probably the Terra Grappler. Terra Grapplers. Uh -huh. And, dude, I can't believe how much better tires have gotten over the years because I got like like fifty five or 60,000 miles. I had two sets that I'd put on that truck. Tire technology is awesome. Yeah. Uh, especially in today's world. I mean, I drove here on a, in a Jeep on 40-inch Trail Grapplers, you know, coming up 121 at... 85 miles an hour and, and zero issues doing it. Yeah. Um, and the hybrid tires, the, the Nintendo Ridge Grappler, the Toyo RT, uh, they're a fantastic tire. You're going to get 55, 60 miles or a thousand miles uh -huh. out of that as well. And a lot of them have warranties on them now. Uh, they're quiet. They bounce good. They wear good. Um, and they get good traction. They're aggressive looking. 
Um, they've got every benefit of an all-terrain, but look better. Yeah. Well, and so what, like, I think bang for your buck, Nitto makes obviously a great product. They don't sponsor the show in any way, shape, or form. I just personally, this is the third set I've had on uh, a truck and, you know, big fan. What other tires in that price range would you recommend? We're big fans of Toyo, Nitto, and BFG. Um, There's cheaper tires out there, but that's the part that connects you to the road. Mm -hmm. That's not the part to skimp on. Um, If you're going to save some money somewhere, don't do it with the tires. Okay. So let's talk about the wheels. We actually partnered up with Raceline for that aspect and went with the Defender yeah, the tire size stays the same. So uh-huh. on yours, we did a 33 and a 20-inch wheel. Uh-huh. Um, if you were to do a 33 and a 17-inch wheel, this tire is still a 33-inch tire. It just has a larger sidewall to it. Bigger sidewalls are going to be a little bit more comfortable. If you let the air out, um, their sidewall is going to flex a little bit better. So if you're off-road or on a road that is a gravel road or something, and you let air out, it's going to... You're not going to feel every little rock, every little piece of gravel. Uh, it makes the ride much smoother. Mm-hmm. With a 20-inch wheel, they look great, but the sidewall is not there to be able to let that air out. Okay. So if you're off-road a lot, then you would want to air on the side of 17s versus 20s. Or mm-hmm. or if you still wanted to keep the bigger wheel, then you just go to a bigger tire, Yeah, which is a bigger lift. Yeah. So the aesthetic look that I, I mean... There was an aesthetic element that I was like, I like the black, you know, truck, black wheels. And thanks to uh, Raceline for sending us those. And the actual lift kit itself, um, we went with a four-inch lift. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you know, I I didn't want to go back to that, what I wanted in high school, you know. Right. I didn't want to go too big with the kids and the wife trying to get in and out of there and, uh, you know, didn't want, to, didn't want it to look like just a monster truck, you know? Right. My son did. He was like, are you getting the six-inch lift? You know, and it was all about that. And whenever we see a truck that's just slightly a little taller at a stoplight, he's like, dad, you should have gone with that one. <laughs> uh, but, to, yeah, so so talk about the, uh, the lift and what all goes into that. Because some guys, you know, some of my buddies just do a leveling kit. What's the difference between that and an actual lift? There's a huge difference between a leveling kit and a full suspension lift. A lot of the leveling kits, they're essentially either, you can do a level one of two ways. You can either take the strut and coil out and Mm -hmm. put a spacer on top, stick it back in, or you can get longer struts and longer coils. You're still only getting two and a quarter, two and a half inches of lift. Um, If you were to do more than that, then you would be doing either a four inch or a six inch or something of that version. what those do is they drop the differential down. They put it on a whole new cradle. Um, a lot of times they cannot go back to stock. So if it was a lease vehicle or you thought maybe you were going to take it off and put it on something else, um, there's pieces in it that actually get cut out um, that would prevent you from being able to put it back to stock. Um, all the trucks are lifted differently. So Chevys are lifted different than Fords and Dodges are lifted different then Chevy's Fords and Dodgers are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, all the half ton trucks have independent front suspension. All the three quarter ton trucks, uh, well, Ford and Dodge have straight axles, but GM still has IFS. Um, totally different ways to do all of them. And some of these trucks can ride phenomenal. Like absolutely. My super duty is an easy 85, 90 mile an hour truck all day long. 
and tows good. It it wheels good. I've taken it seven miles up an ATV trail. We were just talking about a little while ago. Yeah, and uh, it it does everything that I ask it to do, and you can still jump on the road and go back home. Uh huh. Yeah, we, it's interesting. We were talking about that off the air because I told you the only my only hang up about the truck. And it's, it's all hindsight is 2020. It's like the way that I treat it, I'm like, I'm going to get those Texas pinstripes all over it. And black is hard <laughs> to cover up the scratches. And you were like, well, I don't have any scratches on my white one that you can see. That's, but they're probably all over it, right? They're probably all over it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, t- talk about that, that trip. And this is one that, you know, if you're from Texas, you've probably heard of pins. Padre Island uh, National Seashore. Yes. And that is a, that's like a, a off-roaders trip right there, going up and down pins. And so talk about that. I know you, you when I, I took, I went to Broken Bow, you went to pins for spring break. Um, talk about that experience. That whole experience can only be described as extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing about that trip that we could not have done in a plain Jane manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never been to Penns, and my buddies invited me down, and they explained to me that we were just going on a fishing trip. Uh, it was more of a beach trip rather than a fishing trip. Mm. Uh, I didn't realize that we were going to actually wade out into four foot of water and cast, uh, <laughs> which pretty much turned it into a beach trip. Uh, but our whole trip down, uh, we went back right before the tornado came uh, through Dallas, and the storms that were out in the Gulf were causing astronomically uh, high tide. So the tide was all the way up to the vegetation in the dunes. Uh And we rolled through the gate at about seven o'clock. And I asked the lady if she thought we could make it to the 60 and she laughed Mm -hmm. and we should have listened to her, but we'd never been there and it was getting dark and we didn't really know any better. So we just kept going and going and going. And I think I remember seeing a sign for the fifteen. Um, but it seemed like we were in like this huge storm, uh, but it was really just the waves uh-huh. crashing into the side of my truck. <laughs> uh, so it was 60 miles of beach in the dark with waves crashing on the side of the truck. And, uh, it took us four hours to get down to the 60. It took three quarters of a tank of diesel. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Pins is, uh, it's legendary for shark fishing. Like a lot of big, especially the catch and release guys. Uh, that's where they go. And yeah, so that make you feel good about getting out there and wade fishing and feet of water. Yeah. <laughs> Judging by the look on your face, but yeah, yeah. You know, I love wade fishing. It was a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. I can't wait to go back. Did y'all actually camp there then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got a rooftop tent. Uh, my truck is pretty much set up as an Overland style. Uh, it's got an awning on it. It's got a tent. So no matter where I take it, I can always stay there. Uh, and it can stay in, Pretty decent comfort as far as staying out of out of the sun. Uh-huh. One thing that I do want to ask you, and, and this has really nothing to do with our our build or anything, it's these little four wheel drive trucks, Tacomas, uh, Rangers. The uh, I used to, the first truck I ever had was the Dodge one. What what is the Dodge one these days? It's the uh, oh, Dakota. Yeah, Dakota, Dodge, Dodge Dakota. Do those trucks really have better ability to get you around? Then say like could could you have taken a Tacoma with those waves crashing on you down to to I would not have felt comfortable in a Tacoma 
I mean, my Super Duty, it's diesel, it's mm -hmm. heavy. I wasn't too concerned about getting like washed away. Yeah. Uh, I'd be that way in a Tacoma. Yeah. It's probably half the weight. Uh, to Tacoma platform in general uh, is a pretty popular vehicle for us. Uh, we do a lot of lists. We just finished one yesterday on a, on a 2018 Tacoma. Uh -huh. And the Toyo market in general, as far as Forerunners, SUVs, Tacomas, Tundras, is pretty big in this area. Uh, they make a good truck, yeah. and they they ride nice, and they can get you pretty much anywhere you want. Yeah. But as far as the smaller trucks go, uh, I would say they are. What are the pro the pros? It seems like you don't. People always say you don't get stuck as easily with the little ones, and compared to like if you're going around the deer lease and it didn't rain, weight's a huge thing. Super duty. Yeah, weight's a huge thing. And if I got my super duty stuck, that'd be a problem. Right. Um, if I got a Tacoma stuck. That wouldn't be as big of a problem, yeah. but um, the Tacoma would fit more places. It's smaller, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's kind of apples to oranges as far as like size goes, because you're looking at a three quarter ton truck versus a small to mid sized truck, mm -hmm. you know. And if you look at the half tons that are in the middle, um, I would say that they're kind of probably the best option between the two. You can get extra cargo room. You're not trying to get a 8,000, 9,000 pound diesel unstuck. Um, yeah. But the smaller truck would be more capable and maneuverable. They had, uh, Toyota had me test one of their uh, Tacomas, what was it, about three or four years ago, new platform. Um, and they said, here, take this for a week and just rag it out. And I did big time. <laughs> <laughs> we put cameras in the mud and like found the dirtiest, nastiest places. I mean, it was awesome. And I didn't have, and I, and I didn't even have to wash it when I gave it back to him. Just gave him this, just, I don't want to say destroyed, but uh, road hard, put away wet. Put away wet, yeah. <laughs> back to him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, got a lot of video content and gave it to him. I don't know if they ever did anything with it or not, but uh, yeah, those, those, little, those trucks are fun. They're fun. Mm -hmm. uh, they'd be a little more fun with a little more power, but. There's, there's still, they've got a great market for what they're going after. Yeah. Oh, and they don't last forever. So oh, yeah. Yeah. One other thing that our listeners pro well, obviously don't know about you is you're a big gun collector. I am. Yeah. So the first time I met you, I came up to, to Dallas off road and you basically showed me like the gun of the week, the one that just happened to be in your truck that, that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your wife loves to shoot. She does, yes. And, uh, she has an Instagram page. She does. It's what? a Texas gun fit chick. Uh -huh. So she's really big into fitness and really big into guns. Two things I like, yeah. Yes. Awesome. So folks can follow her there. What are y'all, I mean, that's like you just told me this weekend you went to the range. So y'all do a lot of like couples therapy, which is like going and shooting. Oh, yeah. We love going and shooting together. Um, in fact, I randomly just took guns apart to put different guns together just to go to the range on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your favorite, like what it would be your favorite couple obscure ones in your collection? Uh, I have a 50 Beowulf, oh, wow. um, in an AR platform. That's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's fairly expensive to shoot. I was going to say, what is it? $5 a round or something? Uh, a box of 20 is 50 bucks. Uh -huh. So okay. it's not super expensive, but when you've shot one box, you're pretty much done with it anyway. Yeah. What's the recoil like on that? It's 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 heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have a brake on it or anything, but it's it's a pretty pretty big brand. Uh huh. Yeah. My buddy, uh, I was just telling you, won a 50 cal Barrett 
uh, on some online auction recently. And now he's, he just asked me, he's like, can you get Pulsar to sponsor a scope for us? We'll go out and we'll shoot feral hogs with a 50 cal and put it on YouTube. And It'd be like, a blast. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound fun though, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. So you've got that 50 cal, you got yeah. that Wolf. what else? Uh, I've got a 338 Lapua. I've got a really nice 6.5 Creedmoor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, there's like 20, 25 different ARs in there. Uh, <laughs> I like wheel guns, you know, so I like the revolvers. I've got a 357, 454 combo match set that's an anniversary set that's really nice. Um, I just like guns. What is your everyday carry? Uh, everyday carry is a Glock 43X. Right on, right on. Well, man, I absolutely love what you guys did with the truck. We'll see if the uh, the grill guard and the steps ever come in, but um, Henry loves it. You know, he's just he he thinks it's so cool that Dad has a lifted truck, and that's all that matters. I think it's just you know it's perfect for me and functionality wise, gets me where I need to go around the deer lease. If folks want to find Dallas Off Road, where can they do that? Um, you can find us at DallasOffRoad.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, just Dallas Off Road, mm-hmm. and on Facebook, Dallas Off Road. And there's nothing you guys won't, can't do, won't tackle. No, not really. Um, the only things we don't do are like engine rebuilds or transmission rebuilds. But other than that, we do obviously lifts, wheels, tires. We do regearing. Uh, we do a lot of maintenance stuff. So if you want a trusted four wheel drive specific shop to work on your four wheel drive vehicle, then we're that person. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Thanks again for dropping by. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. There he goes. Our buddy, Jeff Swope of Dallas Off-Road. And I forgot to mention like how quickly they turned that uh, project around. It's like a day and a half. Literally, the, I took the truck in. Next day, picked it up. So uh, they did a great job. Very happy with it. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by John X Safaris. The date for 2021 is booked. It's July 23rd through August 1st. If you want to be a part of that, we've got room to take a couple more guys on that trip. Just shoot me an email at lonestaroutdoorsshow at gmail.com. Unfortunately, that's going to do it for today. We are flat out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Jeff, as well as our other guest today, Ryan Callahan of Meat Eater. We will do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying... Y'all have a great week in the outdoors. He said you got to try that.